When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Masters of the Air, episode six is over, but we are just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. My name is Ariel, and I am joined by my subaltern. It is Rich. What's up, Rich? Did what? I say it right? I, I think you said it right. What is up, Master of the Air? Uh, we just had a very funny moment where we were debating the seats that we sit in, whether or not Ariel's supposed to get the pilot seat. I feel self-conscious being on the left side while you're steering our <laughs> fort uh, through through the internet, Ariel. But I will gladly be your, be your subaltern. I am so happy to hear that. Yeah, I feel like I'm more of a, I would be more comfortable being uh, like the navigator, being like a crossbeat. Like, and, and not that it's not a lot of pressure, but I just feel like there's a little bit of a of, of a literal distance between myself and the cockpit. And that's probably for the best. I totally get it. It's really interesting, the dynamics, right? But the guy in the nose gun of the B-17, that's your bombardier. Then behind the pilot and the co-pilot, obviously, you have your radio operator. And the guy up in the top gun turret is the engineer, mm. which I always find very interesting in retrospect. Because that guy in the top turret has like the best kind of overhead view of the plane from the exterior right he's like almost got the periscope view looking around i'm yeah. just talking about this aerial because again i have like uh aviators in my family and i grew uh -huh. up with um an uncle who was like always an engineer and never a pilot back in the olden days yeah, so yeah. I, I think about this often but it's kind of fascinating the way that the positions were like laid out through the plane you would almost think the bomb guys in the back but he's right. actually the point man in the nose you know um, yeah the nose nose um no it makes sense and i i always always and i've said this to you before i always appreciate your your extra context and uh specifications you understand it on a level i never could and it's really funny out of context when you were like aviators in my family I was like is that like a family heirloom of sun <laughs> yeah the glass generation to generation they've been uh, passed down across but no the it yeah. is not that simple um but I am so excited, I have to say, to be here to talk about episode six, part six, excuse me, as they refer to it officially. This episode was like the best episode they ever did. Now, I will say, I will say, hold on. There were, I feel like I am inherently biased because there was not one, not two, but three cameos by actors who I love or have a deep like connection to Ooh. so there was like a triple whammy across all three stories basically that we get these three different uh you know phases uh groupings of of stories but i was like oh my god this is just hitting me everywhere at all the feels the beginning the ending I, this is high up there for me i don't know it's it's hard to say but this is definitely one of the best if not the the uh the best uh, as far as i'm concerned what do you think 
I'm so excited to hear this, Ariel. I really love it because I think that we it was such a different episode. I mean, I think in retrospect, we didn't get a single second of combat footage, right? Yes, it was really all that's a coincidence downtime. And so this is what's so fascinating because I, I think that um, part of like when I've been reading about Masters of the Air and some of the praise that's been given is that it really pulls itself together for this final stretch of episodes, yeah. like kind of through six through nine lands the plane really strong that pun was intended um and and ultimately i'm kind of curious about that because i think that i'm feeling i thought it was very good i think that especially the depiction of crosby were very fascinating the rosenstall stuff the bucky stuff i mean we're getting to see some of the flaws in these men and i've been so cognizant um talking to you over the past couple of weeks about the ways that i'm like hyping it up and romanticizing it and lionizing everything yeah. that they did and their sacrifice and the reality is they're all just flawed guys right they're they're cheating on their wives and maybe drinking too much and acting impetuously and chasing their death wish some sometimes right and and, and right. so like this is really complicated you know but i think it's part of what we we certainly in the moment of the 1940s weren't able to reflect on with clarity and we've talked about it before on this pod but these guys didn't have the language or or like the the sophistication of like understanding to really process everything they were going through yeah. the like flack happy ptsd of it all so i think mm -hmm. it was really pointed and powerful in a certain way that said i think like i would critique which is that it's just following through the same critiques we've been making the whole time where mm -hmm. I may be feeling a little less emotionally invested in these guys than mm -hmm. the men of easy company. Yeah. If you're going to take all of the combat out of the hour of TV, it better be damn good to mm -hmm. like keep me invested. And yeah. I found myself at a couple of points, like, God, I, I just don't know enough of these people well enough. Like looking back to band or brothers, you know, when, when our captain is like in Paris, it's intercut with the combat mission. When yeah. doc Rowe is like going to get the medical supplies at the church, it's intercut with the combat missions. Right. And so I think it maintains a level of like kinetic energy that keeps like a more basic viewer engaged and call mm -hmm. me the more basic viewer. Maybe, <laughs> so I think I'm definitely less high on it than you, but uh -huh. I'm so excited that you loved it as much as you did. Yeah, no, it's, it's really interesting. I feel like there's so many different things at play here. There's a way in which, um, like you mentioned the, the lack of combat. And then I, I'm watching the episode and I'm, I'm realizing that that's what's happening. And I'm like, guess that's a good thing i'm like in i'm like self gauging in real time like what it is that i'm enjoying i think it might have something to do with like how artificial some of that very expensive looking cgi yep. can make me feel that like i feel a little bit of a disconnect and this was all for the most part you know on the ground literally but like also with these people in their like very intimate uh personal conversations and moments with each other but to your point about like getting here and this being the like i could just feel the difference and it was working for me so much and then i was like why did we waste so much time like i just feel like there's at least 85 percent of a full episode of redundancy that we experienced where we could have gotten here much faster. And this is very yeah. easy for me to say, because I can only imagine the amount of like boxes they needed to check plot wise and all that stuff. But like, for instance, and this is why I thought of this most keenly, 
like Rosie, I just feel like now getting him now, like he's emerging as this almost like learning how to become a Winters figure from Band mm -hmm. of Brothers. And I feel like, yep. why didn't we meet him like three episodes ago? Like I'm so interested in him and I'm getting, and now it just feels like, okay, I have, there's so much runway still, thankfully in like the season uh, episode order, but number really, but uh I just couldn't help but feel like I wish I had met him sooner. And I wish some of these things had happened sooner. Like there was some of that stuff I could have yada yada. I'm sorry. That's just how I feel personally. <laughs> no, I think that that's, episodes. I think that that's a really fair take. I think a character like Rosie, it would have been good to meet him earlier. Yeah. I think like, you know, my critique here is like, uh, I don't think any of it was not good. I just wish I was more emotionally invested yeah. in some of these guys. Right. No, like a sure. lot of my connection is coming from the external research that I'm doing yeah. about the actual history right so i feel you there i think that they they probably felt a little bit trapped because when we go back and look at the pacific and i know we're doing a lot of reviewing here just to stop down for a moment ariel at the top mm -hmm. um as we're we're like recording for episode six here the word is out on the street uh that this is going to be the final month of podcasts over here at post show recaps and yeah. i don't mean to put a bummer on the front end but i just want to say very loudly to you and anybody who's hanging out here with us for these masters of the airpods i am so profoundly grateful that we get to cover this show in the kind yeah. of final days of psr this has been a really important place to me and this show is i think uh commensurate with the kind of coverage that has been done over 10 years that i'm really it's an important tv show to talk about i think in a certain way um yeah. But just it, 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 reviewing, you can't talk about the show without talking about Band of Brothers mm -hmm. in the Pacific. The Pacific was like the most expensive thing made on HBO at the time, yeah. and it got no return. It was so disconnected. And I think that as you and I talking about it, it's because our main characters were totally divorced from one another. Yeah. Right. And so to the point of Rosie, like, I wish we got him earlier too, Ariel, because he's a really interesting figure. And I think he brings so much heart to the show. But I think that they probably felt a little trapped by the chronology that they yeah. really were trying to like follow the track here. And again, we've got a story where no spoilers, but a lot of these guys are going to end up in prison. <laughs> and I think they wanted to keep them in the planes for as long as possible. Uh, as right? long as possible. They wanted yeah. to keep Buck and Bucky like away from a prisoner of war camp deep in Germany for as long as they could. And yeah. that, I think like cuts our legs off a little bit because we don't get introduced to Rosie until episode four and we don't even realize he's there in episode four. It's not till five that I think we actually care about him. Yeah. So I'm with you. Like there's part of me that's like, man, I wish we would have gotten to some of this earlier, but I do feel like, the trickiness of them trying to pace out a story like this that has such like energetic kind of peaks and mm -hmm. such dead valleys Ariel. Yeah. like when we're when we're doing nothing we are really doing nothing you know Does yeah and sense? it's it's particularly ironic considering that like we've been a little bit uh prickly about the lack of timeline that like that would yeah. have been the thing that like they're trying to kind of measure against or work against and then ultimately we're complaining that we're not getting enough of the, the establishment of the timeline in real time so it's like they totally could have you know 
uh, cut something, but whatever. I'm that's the last time I'll say that. That's just like a thing that I I do think I, it's really interesting maybe. though, because I think when we're saying like God, this would have helped our viewing experience so much, it demands the question: Why isn't it there then? Right? Why isn't and it I, there? And I feel like what's I what's extra interesting to me is that we are both we we experience this episode a little bit differently except like emotional wise and like how mm -hmm. engagement level wise, but ultimately we're left in the same place of like, they, some version of, they didn't quite like measure it correctly at the beginning, because I think a lot of the reviews are like going off of the first four episodes. Mm -hmm. And it's, yes. and, and at that point you're kind of like, eh, maybe this isn't for me, but this feels so different, whether, you know, your mileage may vary, whatever, that it does feel like, this is what they wanted to get to. And, you know, if you can't do it fast enough, unfortunately you're going to lose, you're going to lose some of the audience, but I feel so lucky to your point. Honestly, I should just say like the fact that I got to talk about a band of brothers at all, and we had to technically do it twice because of technical difficulties. So that was all other thing. But like, I consider that to be like, I love band of brothers. I already talked about it. I consider that to be like, one of the most rewarding podcasting experiences that I have ever had. And it was all where if this show had been like utter trash, it would have still been worth it for me. Yes. To get to talk to you about that. Agreed. Uh, it's always a delight showing up with you and we don't need to linger there, but I, I am really glad that we get to cover this and that in that retrospectively, we were able to look back at Band of Brothers in the Pacific as well and, yeah. and take it from here. But yeah, the timeline question, it's interesting, right? Because I think in certain ways it really enhances the story, knowing that Buck gets in the plane the day after Bucky vanishes and all this kind of stuff. But I think in other ways it creates like these lulls of time that yeah. probably steal some momentum and some tension from our story, right? So just skip uh, around. Uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah. All right. So let's get into the episode proper. We're going to do a little bit of uh, segmentation. Just keep it. You know, there's the three different storylines, as I already said. So it's a little too chaotic to hop back and forth. So we'll address it uh, in groupings. We get Crosby narrating a lot of this episode. We'll start with him. Obviously, he's coming off of the the tragic. And I say that completely sincerely and awful. Uh, loss of bubbles his bestie and he gets to go to oxford for what's basically like a pseudo conference like one of these like new age like this would have been in vegas you know in another universe maybe you know 50 years in the future um just kind of an excuse that like those lectures seem so boring i'm sorry <laughs> like it's just so an excuse to kind of a little bit of a different version of what we get from rosie which we'll talk about later that's like full r and r this is kind of mm. like R and R light with some academia involved. Yeah, the Crosby narration is powerful, right? I think the episode starts so good. This whole notion of like we danced around their ghosts, right? Um, that the kind of like you know, yeah, it's beautiful. paying back on what we got in episode five of like the packing up the chest and stuff. And now that you just talked about like Crosby's aviation conference in Vegas, all I could think about is like somehow this being Don Draper just twenty years <laughs> later, like with the, with the aviators. He's got my family aviators. <laughs> he inherited them at one point. It's hilarious because I thought of Mad Men when uh, the Lucky Strike cigarette brand gets Happy gets mentioned know. later. So yeah. always, always up for a Mad Men reference. Um, Crosby get and you know, speaking of of Mad Men type hats, Crosby is doing what he believes to be a Dick Tracy, uh, uh, you know, 
I almost said karaoke. What is it? Impression? Uh, and he gets caught, he gets busted by his subaltern. <laughs> subaltern, the roommate. Like it's so worse. good. It's getting worse. I'm trying. But okay, so this is my first of three actors who I love. This is Belle Powley, who I know from uh oh my god, the show is called The Morning Show, also on Apple TV. So oh yeah, I watched the morning show because you covered it and now i totally <laughs> totally yes because she was especially early on she was much all. more important i i love her i think she has such great energy such a great like emotional foil for crosby and everything that he's going through and just every honestly everything she says is hilarious or entertaining like she just has a way of speaking and expressing her thoughts and emotions that is lovely to behold always uh, yeah, I second the notion, right? She she seemed familiar to me. I knew I'd like seen her in projects before, but she didn't immediately leap out as somebody that I was tracking. The relationship between these two is so fun. And Crosby is somebody that we've watched kind of like, gosh, I, you know, I'm going to use the cliche here, but we've watched him a little bit grow from boy into a man, yeah. right? I mean, war has like matured this guy in a certain way. And we know he's got a wife at home, right? Mm -hmm. and, and she sent him that letter like, hey, how's Bubbles? And now here he is uh, surrounded by like the R&R &R that he's finding at this break. And and it's really charming, right? Um, like the whole bit in front of a mirror, like it's good to have a little fire up there. <laughs> it gets cold, baby. I love it, Ariel. I love it. I swooned. You know? So funny. I am so entertained by Crosby, who looks great standing in front of a mirror. And I can only, I want to imagine <laughs> that, uh, Subleton Westgate, that is her name. Yeah. Um, that she was standing there for a lot longer than she lets on. <laughs> it's just its own hysterical thing. I'm so glad you brought up the letter. I just wanted to say very quickly, like you, you're you already called out that she asked for Crosby once again, which is so sad and sweet. But like I was struck by how supportive and just wonderful and lovely his wife comes across in these words and just like she's like you were right you're so wise you deserve you are and then she's like you know separately as a different thought like you earn this like i really hope you have the best time you deserve it, blah 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 like yes it's fame praise because he's at war and she's just writing a letter but i just i feel like you're getting the intention is for you to get like a small piece of their relationship and i think yes. it comes across super super clearly um, I think it's really well said too. just the like footnote that again, in a show that's like about a bunch of white men, right. That we're, that is our cast dominantly. I, I really appreciated it because so much of the cliche are the dear John letters, right. Yeah. When you think of like the letter from home, the letter from the girl, it's so often like articulated. It's like, she's leaving you. She found somebody right, else. Right, right. She's taking the dog. You know? <laughs> I'm thinking of, like, Nixon. She took my dog, you know? Right. And, and I mean, but like, that's a little bit of like the meme that has gotten popularized, I think, in modern media. So this notion of like the undyingly, unfailingly loyal, supportive spouse back at home, yes. who is just an emotional rock for you and is trying to like maintain their own life amidst the chaos of a war torn nation uh, while their husband is gone and may never come back. Like, I, it was good. It's a small yeah. beat, but I think it's like a powerful punctuation to put in the midst of it, you know? Yeah. I paused. I was like, Ooh, I want to know what it says. <laughs> and mm -hmm. that's of course what they want me to yeah. do. Um, 
And Westgate, you know, speaking of having more women, we're always bringing it up. Lovely to have her, not just because it's someone that I know. It's a great, like, there's another universe where this is just another male character that he bonds mm -hmm. with on a platonic level. And it's not as good as this, frankly, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I love the moment where she's like, oh, you expected a man? And he's like, no. Yes. Yes. I'm sorry. I expected a man. <laughs> it's just really, it's just really, really great stuff between them. They have such great chemistry. Um and she was, I I want to know what you think, Rich, because in my mind, this is one of those things that I'm going to say, and it's like, duh, you idiot, it's so obvious, and I'm always worried, but like, whatever. Uh, to me, like, the whole, the whole beat of them, it's kind of like, throughout the episode, it keeps coming back up of what she actually does. Yeah, her the secret job. It's like, she's a punter, which is like, basically like a gondolier, is what I gather, a version of that, because... and. But immediately Crosby is like, you're lying. You're such a bad liar. And she's like, oh, don't worry. I'll get better at it. Like this woman is a spy, right? I feel like we have a whole other storyline about spies, about uh, Bucky being accused of being a spy. We have, she can't lie, but she like so clearly is being coy about it. Like she's so good at lying that she's lying bad on purpose. And then she has to like go leave and be a spy. Am I crazy? Is this too, is this too galaxy I think trained? that's a really great read. I mean, I think that she's got an incredible chemistry in the way that she handles him. So kind of like effortlessly and is able to kind of manipulate him and position him like a spy tracks really well. What I immediately jumped to is like a code breaker aerial. Ooh, and that yeah. may be like very specific. Similar. But, yeah. I mean, that's still like intelligence operation. Yeah. She still but, can't tell him and she's still like needed very urgently for some perhaps incoming message like you know i don't think she's necessarily killing people but she's no. involved in like assessing information yeah when she gets the call it's like to go to some university and i'm not remembering the name of it but i'm thinking of like the movie from a couple of years ago it was like big oscar bait with like the the spy breaking and like the big giant machine in britain world war ii god i'm not remembering god. i want to say it's maybe it was redmayne eddie redmayne i think was like our guy oh, uh i know i'm not gonna think of this i keep thinking of mission impossible which is not <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I think that you're probably more apt, right? The idea that she was intelligence. I mean, we we recently watched All the Light You Cannot See was like a miniseries streaming there on Netflix mm -hmm. about kind of like moving people out of like German occupied territories in England. And women were essential in these operations yeah. because they could hide in plain sight in ways that the men couldn't, right? They could operate in ways that were very easily overlooked in the civilian landscape amidst mm -hmm. this like war-torn Europe. So I think you're spot on. I'm like rejecting my reading of her as a code breaker. No, I think, I think, I think that's a type of spy. I think that's like within the realm of what I was thinking. Like that is something that is so much more important than just like any kind of other soldier as far as as far as like the people in charge are concerned like having intelligence for uh enemy intelligence being like most important and paramount i think that counts um but yeah i love the like oh what me a terrible liar i was like you're a good liar now you're lying about being a bad liar <laughs> uh, but i love again i just love their connection it's so sweet and terrible obviously and tragic but like when he finally opens up to her, they have a, what I call a midnight rendezvous. This won't be the first yes. of the episode either. Um, and they're drinking 
and he's very vulnerable and like the way in which he, he he brings up bubbles and she's like oh is that a lady of the night and it's like no he's my best friend like the current there's a switching of the tense that happens mm-hmm. that is so devastating but also somewhat hopeful like the way that he's talking about him perhaps for the last time ever of like i still feel this connection that is alive and then he went down last week actually it it was and then her empathy, like it's such a beautiful scene. And I loved, I love that they took the time for it. I think you're spot on. The chemistry between them is electric, right? I mean, she does such a great job. And in terms of like, again, I, I'm critiquing maybe that I'm not as emotionally invested as I want to be in these guys. That's not so much of an issue with Crosby. Like I'm, I'm pretty well rooted there. And she as again, a new character that we're being introduced to for the first time this episode yeah. does an incredible job um, drawing me in. And and like making me feel the resonance of that relationship, Ariel. Yeah. You know, I think in the same way that I go back to Band of Brothers and I think of like Doc Rowe and the nurse in the church. I mean, she's such like a Absolutely. kind of leading character in Band. That's much less, I think, important, less important than our subaltern. But um, it, it's really impactful for a small part, and I, yeah. I felt that here for sure. Yeah, she probably was more impactful, uh, which is just another notch on the belt for uh for band of brothers they his uh crosby revealing that he blames himself because they you know he got his promotion so essentially they like switched positions in a way and like perhaps bubbles wouldn't have made the same mistake it's just like to to finally feel like we're hearing the ugliest part of what he's feeling you know like his worry his ultimate like the things we like worry are true um even if they sound ridiculous and again of course she's she's so kind to him you're spot on though right i mean i think that part of uh so so crosby um he's an important source of information for us when we're going back and talking Mm -hmm. about this the masters of the air books draws like heavily off a lot of his records but once he's named group navigator at this point i talked about it a little early on he said in his own words that you know every loss was a personal loss it's not just about that plane that he's in anymore it's all the planes right and so i think it's like notable that we're also finding these guys all on r&r after the disastrous one plane returned mission that we got last time right and that survivor's guilt i mean i think it's much more pointed and personal with the bubbles crosby relationship but but they're all feeling it to an incredible degree about all the rest of their men right and i think crosby especially like it's just highlighted so well in that relationship with bubbles it's one of the few bromances outside buck and bucky that we've gotten that that matters i think so far so i'm with you also just before we get too far the imitation game is the movie that i was thinking of and it's oh yes oh god yeah i was thinking like way more recent Uh, yeah no 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 yeah i didn't even see that but yes i I, everything you said makes sense now Yeah. yeah eddie whatever happened eddie anyway um so we get we get another night out. It's it's so funny because in the beginning, uh, Crosby is told, well, it's not like you're going to have a lot of time to actually, you know, have fun. You probably won't be going off the university campus much. And of course, he is Westgate has other thoughts and they go out. I love that they never cross a line. I mean, at, le- at least as far as like I'm concerned, everybody in their own relationship, whatever, have 
your own thoughts about what what's crossing the line, what's not crossing the line, but like the idea that they so it's a couple of things. I think there is a romantic attraction, but there is also just a I enjoy being around you as a as a person, and like you make me forget about my awful thing. I'm in the in on the Crosby side at least because we get so little from her. You're making me forget about bubbles, but also still cheering, cheersing to bubbles on my behalf, and that's like a really small but kind thing that she does. And then they're dancing and they're getting very close. Yes, but like. By the time she leaves at the end, they've only, she kisses him on the cheek. She gives him her number. Yeah, I guess that might be like her line across. But if you're ever in in uh, in London, I believe she says, look me up or give me a ring, as they would say. And uh, then she steals a bike. This is spy shit. This is spy shit. Spoils of war, Ariel. Spoils of war. <laughs> I really love it, too. Again, you know, I think it plays so well off what Crosby's talking about early in the episode of, like, the things they do and all the tension that we're getting with these British officers while he's there at Cambridge, right? And they're like, oh, you boys, the drinking, the disrespect, the way you treat our women, all this stuff. And he gives it back to them every time they get in that plane. That might be the end of it, right? And I think it's this yo-yoing that we keep talking about, this, like, absolute wild. How do they get back in the plane? right that's the kind of thesis of the show that is the question that we're interrogating to get to the answer of at the end of the day and part of how they get back in the plane is they live big boldly during the time that they're on the ground right i i like have really tried to like couch the way that i talk about this i talked about it a bunch with grace too in terms of when we were doing uh, the fall of rome and the whole meme there a couple months ago of men thinking about the roman empire every day right (laughs) you know i I, like i think there's something to that and i think part of it is the idea of this like romantic hero's death right and and there's a freedom in the imagination of that that like when you're broken down to that base of a level when your needs are stripped down to like the kind of most primal it comes down to like i'm really mixing metaphors here but it's very like robin (laughs) williams like suck the marrow of life right you just have to like live every moment as big as you can live it you got to drink too much and dance too much and sing Mm -hmm. too loud and like make it count because tomorrow morning the alarm's going to go off and you got to get back in the plane. And, and so like, that's the part of it. That's like transcending so much for me. And if I sound like I'm a little down on the episode because of like the lack of combat, you know, that like combat to me, it like, it's kinetic energy, right? It's yeah. the up-tempo action that like keeps uh, the like lifeblood pumping through like the show in a certain way. But the other side of it is, I think this episode's dealing really well with the downtime and the fallout of that. Right. What are you going to do? when you have to sit here for 10 days and linger in it, you know? And so I like that, like, that doesn't go too far. We don't do the full romance. I think just to the narrative energy, they're playing really well with like that quintessential TV relationship. Will they, won't they? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Like I'm invested. I want them to kiss. I don't want them to kiss. I I want him to spend a night with her and have that like comfort. I don't want him to do that at all. Like that's effective right yeah no for sure right the fact that you're that you're carrying it all is obviously a 
a big sign and uh yeah like we mentioned earlier she gets her her letter they've been looking for her everywhere across the university because again they didn't think anybody would leave <laughs> like probably some of the only two people that did leave seemingly um and then she gets her letter and she has to leave to go be a spy and like i said she steals the bike they'll send me my things no they won't you just have like she's gonna strip off her her uniform and she has like a full spy outfit whatever that means to you underneath there <laughs> clothes don't matter clothes don't matter to people like her i love it I'll miss i her. loved that like they'll send me my things because it just reads as like i'm i'm way more important than you crosby yeah. <laughs> Maybe the group navigator, but I, I am definitely the more important person in this video. Like, I really mm -hmm. loved it. There, that whole like little interlude. I can't overstate how just intoxicating their energy was. Right, yeah. that's like the kind of couple that you want to spend a night with, that you want to go dancing with, that you yeah. want to like hang out with. Right, yeah. if they they brought that. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're more fun than probably mostly everybody else who was at that party. And speaking of parties, I think we can move along to the flack house in quotes, as they call it, uh, for Rosie, a little a little R and R. Now, this is the this is like the true no veil, no thinly veiled R and R that I was referring to earlier. Where this is like, okay, just go and relax and do less, do less, and. Rosie's, Rosie doesn't really know how to do less, seemingly, or at least do less combat a little bit to what you're talking about. He wants to go back to that. He is perhaps uh, an ad, an audience avatar of like, let's get back to that, please. But he has to he has to earn his his time here. This may sound so dumb, Ariel, but like all of us have had that week of work where like vacations next week but you got one more left till you gotta go and yeah. it can be like really tough that like yeah. last thing this notion that like these guys wanted to put their heads down and get it done right um that like you wanted to run your missions and either make it or not and being in this place is only delaying the inevitable i think is like part of what's really effective about the rosie story the other part of it is the same as the band of brothers thing man it, it's the same as like popeye coming back after he gets shot in his ass in band of brothers where he's yeah. like i didn't i you know i wanted to be with the men like I wanted to be with my men, right? Rosenthal Saul is one of like the few kind of commanding officers that left. These guys have lost. It's really notable, but like all of their leadership since they came over and Rosie, somebody like noteworthy and important. And I think that you can, I can at least can relate to that element of he's like, I got to sit here for 10 days and what? Like after 10 days, I got to go back there and get back in the plane, right? Like 10 days from now, how many of my friends are going to be dead when I get back to the base it's also like really notable again the context here in terms of the timing mm -hmm. like this is immediately after rosenthal's the only guy to come back from that mission yeah. and i think it's a little bit of like implied mandatory like no dude you gotta go you know yeah. you're, you're probably okay but like you're the only guy like you gotta go you know yeah, and, and relax really, and it's it becoming more and more precious Right. And it opens so effectively in that way where like the doctor's like, how'd you sleep? And he's like, yeah, great. And the doctor's like, a lot of guys have have adjustment issues the first few days. And he's like, yeah, about that. I got to get out of here. I don't belong here. But it's just, 
it speaks to the way that they could be like so full of bullshit and yeah. like be be just believe their own kind of kool-aid at the same time yeah. right like he's totally rejecting the very simple truth that the doctor already knows which is like mm -hmm. you are not okay you know you're shell-shocked and you need to relax so um i don't know a lot that i just said but i think no i love i love his interactions with the doctor a great one uh coming up but i love this moment here like first of all the second he gets there he's asking the person who this woman who's like basically introducing them and like showing them around and stuff he's like when can i leave and she's like listen that's not my job you gotta go talk to somebody else about that um and but she's like my advice is for you to enjoy yourself he asked the doctor like you said and the doctor's like th there's this level of what rosie's actually asking at some point eventually once he has like now asked several times the subtext is am i here like against my will like do i actually have a say and the doctor it answers that part of it in my opinion uh directly when he says yeah of course you can leave in five days when when you have heard when your time has elapsed so it's like yes you are free to go but you also required to be here for some amount of time so I think that's a very interesting uh, dynamic of like, you know, as we talk about, as we get an episode of like people being imprisoned and people being, you know, captured against their will, this is kind of like some weird in-between space. Yeah, for sure. That's a really good point. It was Shades of Lecky from the Pacific, right? Yes. Um, he like gets his incontinence issue and ends up with the doctor for a period of time. And like, you know, it's the other element that I think is so done so well in this episode where he finally starts to like, okay, ease into it. He gets that message of like, yeah, you could leave it when I let you leave. And he starts moving around the grounds and like the broken men of this place, right? Like yeah. the, this notion that like his resilience is more intact than a lot of the other men there right and the way that he begins to like kind of reflect on that and what that means and i really like that just because again like what i've read about this guy is that he just was a pillar that they all rallied around yeah. as one of like the few leaders that's left amongst the like general population sure. of the aviators like sense. this late in the day you're losing your bucks and your buckies left and right you know and and so the way that he was able to handle the combat and we'll talk about it but the way that like they tell the stories and all of it and just like as he's moving through the ground and the men like kind of crying in this like convalescence house like yeah. you know a lot of people process this really differently and just because he was better at keeping the seams intact mm -hmm. didn't mean that like he wasn't having to process the same pain and like turmoil and, and existential dread of like i still have 12 missions to fly right right yeah i love i love this this thing about him of like to his credit he's not at all thinking that he's better or because he's more resilient but he also is so eager to get back to the war because of that and he like sees that he could be a value and he believes that he could be a value and then to have to it's almost like for somebody else they would come to this place and they have to sit with their own discomfort or sense of loss or whatever and here he's actually sent to look outwards like i love that you mentioned he comes upon this this guy who's like sitting there in this private area kind of like a garden and there's that very human thing that rosie does of like oh i've intruded on intimate moment but you see him hesitate like would the right thing 
be to go to him, but then what would I say? And he ultimately leaves. And I think another part of that is, of course, him not, if this is something that he isn't quite feeling, not to imply that he's a robot, but if he's not feeling it as powerfully, it's almost like a foreign thing to him. Like, how do how do I even confront that in other people and be of value in other people? It's a really interesting, like almost too subtle in some ways dynamic that they are like trying to explore in a lot of I love that thought right that it's almost like alien to him and he doesn't know how to process it I mean again these are like 1943 American men you know like yeah. that don't necessarily say I love you to their kid I know I'm like really painting with a broad brush here I'm sorry if I'm putting my like uh, personal family baggage on anybody all, out there with this all. podcast right but again they're like they, they pull themselves up by the bootstraps guys I, I had like a, a you know a slightly different read which is that like i'm holding it together but to confront this man to address like the grief that is inconsolable to him may threaten to like burst the seams that i'm keeping uh, yeah. intact For right sure. yeah. like i feel all this i feel all this loss i watched 16 planes ripped out of the sky around me the last mm. time i went up there and if i have to actually address what that means about the 160 men in those planes i won't be able to go back out of here in five days you know but i think that there's something to that and it plays to you know the time i think and, the, and again mm -hmm. like the tools the language that we had the way that we address these things the idea that it would be disrespectful to walk up on this guy crying to let this other soldier like see him in a moment of weakness that that might like insult his pride and his integrity and you need to leave him in the privacy of that moment like mm -hmm. it's so complex and fraught you know and i think it speaks to the impossibleness of like how do you do this there is no right answer you know right i love yeah i just love all this stuff he's and then he's confronted this is the other uh midnight rendezvous that i was referring to earlier this one is not romantic though uh between rosie and uh the doctor where rosie can't sleep and he kind of just exploring the house and he hears music and he comes upon the doctor having you know his own private moment uh listening to the music and this is the actor is jamie parker who plays the doctor who i know and love from a small movie uh the history boys which was based on a play that i did not see but i love 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 that movie and it's hilarious because in that movie he plays jamie parker this doctor plays like a prep school kid with like Dominic Cooper and some of these like more uh and god what's his name uh, James Corden like some of some some of these like young kids have gotten much bigger now but they're trying to get into schools like Oxford and you know Cambridge and all these other places so it's, it's just an interesting little wrinkle there uh but this quote most importantly this quote that the doctor has and I was thinking of it very clearly hearing you speak uh, earlier about like what all these men are going through and the high, the highs and lows and the ups and downs. He says this war, human beings aren't meant to behave this way. And it's just like the way he says it, it's so matter of fact, like it's something that we cannot really do anything about because the war continues and it's obviously bigger than everybody, unfortunately. And uh, also, unfortunately, it has to be bigger than people's like mental health for the most part right in order to get these mm -hmm. people to do what they have to do um and it's a really it's a really cool way for i just love that quote it feels like they stole it from yeah. somewhere um 
it's it's super super effective i mean it, it you know it speaks to all war i think but i think that when you get into like military history you start to hit these really terrifying philo philosophical questions about like what is the state of man you know like humanity uh it's been around for a while and for thousands of years we fought like in very brutal primitive fashions wars of conquest and aggression just of territory of all manner of motivations right but i think that it's part of what's so horrifying and and empowering to look at like the wars of the modern age world war one is like the first great industrial war right uh the nightmares of like mustard gas and trench warfare and you come into world war ii and again it's really notable as we're talking about a bombing legion but this is the first time in conventional history that we have operations of this scale again like the americans aerial field did like hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of planes when we look at like we, we talk about the military industrial complex nowadays but it's such a different animal in terms of like the amount of like scale that goes into the things we build we were a manufacturing nation at the time mm -hmm. we were just better equipped to transition to this and to build these very simple b-17s right At the end of the day it's like the parts are not that much more sophisticated than it takes to make like campbell soup cans and to mm -hmm. wire your house in like the midwest and so we were able to mass produce these things and get them out there and again the more and more you talk about how alien the experience was for these pilots to pack 10 guys into a sardine can with 5,000 pounds of high ordnance explosives and then like fly thousands of miles across a foreign continent like every piece of that is so kind of beyond the expectations of a 21 year old American in contemporary society and I'm not trying again to say like kids these days I don't mean it that way <laughs> I just mean like expectations change yeah. across time and what culture is and what humanity is about and it was all so alien for them i think i've said it before but literally we watched those kids in easy company and band of brothers practice their parachute jumps off the ladders mm -hmm. the 10 men in every one of these b-17s had never even trained how to open a parachute before they got on these planes right the, crazy like, it's so alien to them yeah. most of them had never even considered getting on a plane before in their lives right um it's wild always to think about that part of it the context um i i love the way they find to kind of hammer home this point that rosie is basically here to learn they're talking about i didn't unfortunately I didn't make note of the of the record of who they're playing but they're talking about like music and the way you know the a band has to work together it's not just about the way the the way the lead person is feeling it's about like vibing and being in unison in some way whether musically or in a war perhaps uh with the rest of the members of their band and you see something click for rosie in that moment Gene Krupa was the guy. He was like a big time yes. drummer of the time. Jazz guy had uh, like a huge 1937 kind of solo sing, 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 uh, recorded some stuff with Benny Goodman, like really notable 
person of the time and this notion of him as a drummer too and he's like he, you know you can't tell gene to just stop to what rosie's talking about like mm -hmm. look man i'm midstream i got my momentum you know you gotta like <laughs> let me play it follow the end. yeah um, and i love the doctor's retort of like yeah but he's keeping rhythm for the whole band man yeah. like you know as much as like you don't want to interrupt him like if he gets off everybody gets off and that is the thing the synergy of it all right every plane relied on those 10 guys that engineer needed to know every system in the plane and be able to fly it if the pilot like took a took a bullet in the head you know mm -hmm. the bombardier had to be prepared to like get back in the navigator chair and get them home if that guy caught flack through a wall so there's just such an interconnected reliance on one another and i think again and again and again we're just drumming on this thesis like how did they get back in the plane they got back in the plane because of the other guys you know and that other, yeah. need that like gene's gotta think about the rest of the band doesn't matter if he's the best drum soloist in the world right he's still got to keep playing um and we do see him play a little he's he's he wakes up in the morning and he's gonna play a different kind of games uh some gambling and he sits down with some of his what i they're here at the r and r house so i was calling them in my notes his fellow r and arians yes <laughs> Uh, and then they tell a really fun, I love the way that he is there to just kind of whether observe or, you know, be there for people, whatever kind he's there to kind of like feel out the group. And the second he sits down, the attention is put on him mm -hmm. because they tell the story about what he did in this moment. And this is something that we didn't see as far as, uh, as far as I know, it was, you know, like not the singing part. I think uh, we did. I think we saw him humming. There's a point during episode six. I, I'm sorry to like. Uh, no, please. This I, is the, I, I was we, asking the question. I'm like, did we see? There's that? a point during episode six where they're coming in. They've episode lost five. a couple of planes. Oh, sorry. Yeah. During five where a couple of planes have like turned back and they start catching flack. And yeah. then it's the moment between, I think, when the flack and the fighters close in. Yeah, singing. Yeah, and yeah, they yeah. have see, this. this is what I, this is why, this is why I'm saying I needed Rosie earlier because I see him singing. I'm like, who's this guy? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that makes sense. Yes. And they are, they are retelling the story that we did see and just the way that they're talking about it is like, they clearly have so much reverence for him, even uh, while they question his sanity uh, to act like that in that moment. And, but most importantly, he sees that the guy to the right of him who was on the plane with him is kind of like still, even once that story is over is still kind of like in that emotional place and this very simple thing happens where Rosie just puts his arm around him and kind of like rubs his back a little. And it's so sweet. It's like, wow, Rosie graduated R&R &R school. Like he learned to be a great uh, friend, human leader, perhaps, right, to his fellow man men. It, it was it was a really sweet, sweet moment. I liked it. It made me think of your boy, Carwood Lipton. Yeah. Uh, Ariel, right. It's that notion that like, being the good leader it's not just about like managing these guys in the air right and like managing like that harrowing flight and maintaining the plane like it, it is like this it's these moments as yeah. well and again like i just can't oversee what a reputation this guy kind of had that whole beat of like the singing too when it happened everybody kind of looks at him like dude what is he cracking up you know but yeah. there is that thing of like i realized i'm not alone 
Like I was not alone, you know, like human to, to the doctor's quote, like humans weren't made for this. We were not built for this. And like to just create like a really human moment in the midst of it, like it's powerful. It's good stuff. Yeah. I love a, I love an arm around just whether it's platonic romantic, it's just one of the most, I don't know, kindest human gestures that uh, you can put on camera. I love Rosie it. Rosie Rosenthal dismantling toxic masculinity one arm at a yes! time. Yes! We stand a non-toxic <laughs> <stand>. king. <laughs> we do stand. Um, okay. That is the end for Rosie, or at least for this episode. He's fine, thankfully. No, no death off camera to speak of. <laughs> But we'll get to that. We start the episode itself with Bucky. Like the the cold open before the credits is our update to what Bucky is up to. And like, thank God he's okay. Um, I mean, we knew he was probably okay. But like, ultimately for this moment, there's relief in knowing he's has his freedom. And also he is trying to find other people, trying to get away. He happens upon this farm. And I I should have known, Rich, that it was going to end badly because we already got with, uh, I believe it was. Um, Quinn, oh, I forget his Quinn? name. Yeah. I can't remember. Quinn. Yes. Quinn. It was Quinn. Oh, thank God. See, I remember something. Uh, Quinn, where it was like the good version of this, where like yes. he happens upon. Obviously, it's a different country. So I understand the reality is different. But we already got like the happy ending version of landing at or coming upon a random farmhouse this is the much more nefarious americanzi i'm getting it wrong i don't remember what the word is but like they're these this kids was, it, after bucky spares their lives they're like he's getting away the american it was so 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 good i thought you know because i mean we we keep talking about our boy don lemons who's all of like 20 years old right and is like the senior uh like maintenance officer back yeah. on the base you know but like there are so many children involved in all of this, right? Mm -hmm. And and it, it's such a great reversal because you see the kid and you realize Bucky's just looking at this kid. He's like charming. It's the same way he does the little like she does the figure over the lips. And these kids are little like Hitler Youth, Ariel. They're they're like the Nazi Boy Scouts. They're junior SS of like get him, <laughs> seize him. Yes, seize him. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, God, it's so good because it's like, awful. I was like, damn it, they did too good of a job in Doctor. <laughs> because it totally and then like, I, tracks right like yes. what's he gonna do he can't like what's he gonna shoot these kids no no of course like that's like monstrous <laughs> on a level that i cannot even like go down that road at all that's it just wouldn't make sense narratively honestly from a character perspective in addition to how monstrous and horrific it would be but then i very quickly thought i was like oh these german kids are so awful but like well what would have happened if a german soldier during world war ii like happened upon like an american farmhouse again like a little bit yeah. better in reality like the same thing would have happened these kids would have been like oh my god it's a german like, yeah no we had it real good dude nobody was flying over nebraska dropping bombs <laughs> we didn't have to worry about like random germans turning up in your freaking cow pasture oh my god. out a here in upstate new york you know a different kind of boston tea party perhaps it it's stupid i mean i'm like joking a little bit but i talked about it last time too it's really important to understand and we're going to get into it as we follow bucky a little further um hitler made insane promises to the germans you guys mm -hmm. and, and he like promised them don't worry 
we're never going to get bombed. They're not yeah. going to come close to us. And and the Blitzkrieg was so effective. They like gobbled up an incredible amount of territory mm. incredibly fast. And it took a long time for any of these bombing missions to like begin to penetrate deep back into Germany. But now we get to this stage in the war as we're rolling into like late 1943. The RAF is like bombing the hell out of all of Germany all night long, every yeah. night, whenever they can. Not all of Germany, but population centers, industrial centers, yeah. manufacturing cities. But they're not just targeting the manufacturing, they're targeting the buildings and the houses. And yeah. so the German people at this stage of the war are beginning to get the blowback of Hitler's plan. And ultimately they're galvanized and they're they're like ready to fight. And we will track it as we go here. And I mean to get the cart in front of the horse. But yeah. I just thought this beginning entry B with with Bucky of like, is he getting away? Is he not? He's doing some mission impossible, like Rambo uh, Arnold nonsense in the river with like the mud on his face. He's hiding, (laughs) but the farmer's going to get like, it's good. It's good tension, dude. It's good. (laughs) No, it's great. We go right into the, to the opening credits. Um, He gets captured. Uh, It's not great. I mean, he, I will say he has the wherewithal, to to realize that he's been placed on like the back of this cart as a as a dead person uh and he has the wherewithal to try to escape and before that right that's where we get some of this we see the city bomb right yeah we see the city getting bombed like you were talking about and we see the it was so interesting to me that moment with the crowd because there's a you totally they're totally telegraphing everything you're talking about Mm -hmm. with respect to like the German soldiers kind of starting to lose control, lose support perhaps of these people who before this would have been like, yeah, yeah, everything you say is fine. But like, also how do you openly revolt against like a power that has uh, come to power so powerfully recently to use the same word three times. And like, there's a way in which they have to, there has to be a release in some way. So for them to be able to target the Americans is a release, even though some of them probably would like to, you know, turn against their, uh, some of these German soldiers who are like, clearly to your point, they, their promises were made and now things are going badly. And like, it just kind of all makes sense that they would turn against the Americans because they could like, theoretically, if they help the war end faster then everything goes back to the way we've, had it before and we're not getting bombed there's not they don't have many recourses as far as like what they can do with their power no it's a really complex situation and i do wish masters of the air had put a little bit more energy into like articulating some of this because i find it so interesting but i appreciate why they wouldn't because the bombing campaign like is still something we talk about in terms of human rights of like was it right or was it wrong what happened in world war ii and ultimately like it wins the war for the allies where you know we can review that as much as we want but the british made like a very tactical decision it wasn't just about like creating on told destruction it was about minimizing british casualties i mean britain uh, great britain's a much smaller place than the united Uh states are the resources are much less and they were the like point aerial defense for everything that the luftwaffe was doing right um so ultimately like i think so much of this is just about the emotional visceral reaction because i think that what's unspoken in the scene is they're being led through a german town or city at night uh after like an air raid where like the 
the civilian buildings have been blown to hell and the people are crazed, right? They're yeah. like ferocious because it's not the factory. It's not the, the factory that builds tanks or planes down the street. It is my home. Uh, and again, I mean, it's really like pointed as we're talking about this show, Ariel, that we're in the midst of like a couple of wars happening in the world right now. Yeah. And this stuff is just never easy to parse. Uh, it's like war is ugly and it's brutal. And, and the, the cost of it is untold and kind of incalculable until long after the war is fought. And you can never really be sure, like, how far is too far right for yeah. it's always i don't mean you can't be sure but i mean like people are always going to argue where those lines fall for sure right? yeah and, and so that emotional reaction from these germans are like no nah, f that kill them kill them these american devils these bastards because for them there's very little distinction of like who's doing it the british the americans planes come at night yeah. and the place that you have grown up in is blasted into the ground the people that you have grown up with are dead and dying all around you that's going to be a visceral reaction to that you know so he ends up like half dead and he's able to like pull the second escape maneuver aerial and this tracks because like a bunch of these pilots american british and all all of the allied pilots these guys like escaped and escaped and escaped and escaped and escaped and got like recaptured over and over and over again oh, across God. the war it's kind of crazy actually uh, how consistent of a theme that was in so many of their stories yeah it's the it's the i mean we talked about the ups and downs of the war overall there's the sub ups and downs of being of escaping and being recaptured this is wild like they and also like Boo hiss. Not that I wanted Bucky to die, but they clearly suck at like quality control and making sure that people are dead when they load them onto these carts to like yeah. bury them in the forest. Oops. Um, because <laughs> he's only like one of like three or four people on that cart. And he very smartly, in my opinion, tries to escape. Like they go dig the hole. This is your chance. You may not get another chance. They might be about to be bury you alive or like shoot you with a gun or whatever. And he runs into the trees. And I was like, yes, they get it. He got away. But then they're like, he won't get far. I'm like, no, what does that mean? <laughs> Later, he must have been so exhausted after running for who knows how long uh, in circles, perhaps. Who knows? He's he's woken up by much more nefarious looking individuals than the people who, you know, screwed the pooch the first time and let him escape. These are people with guns and uniforms. And. He is brought to some kind of prison where he meets an interrogator, Rich. It is freaking Louis Hoffman of Dark. Jonas, are you kidding me? When I saw this, I was screaming. I was screaming at my phone. I was like, absolutely not. This is Adam behavior. <laughs> I can't believe this. You and I podcasting about Dark, Rich. This is a show obviously that's near and dear to my heart and seeing him just like propelled this episode. I was like, I've already been so excited about these other cameos. Now we have Jonas from dark. I can't even like stand it at this point. Do you like baseball, Ariel? Uh, <laughs> you like the Yankees? Uh, I was kind of blown away. I love the interrogation scene. It's really, it's a moment, man. It's a moment. I loved it. And it's just, it's so interesting to watch them play the chess and you know, on some level that there's no way this guy is being completely honest with 
uh, with Bucky. Like, what are you actually after? Bucky is being very careful. He does drink the alcohol, which I was like, oh, no, that could be truth serum. Don't drink it. Uh, but he takes the cigarette and the drink and he's like kind of calm, but he won't give any information out. He keeps repeating his, uh, his name, his rank, his uh, serial number, which they already know. They already have a lot of information about him, about where he grew up. Uh, and most importantly, and this is what made me my, made my jaw drop when I heard it was when they mentioned Buck, I was like, oh no, you didn't leave him out of this. How dare you? How dare you? It's crazy. And uh, he's trying to spin it as the interrogator that like, you know, I'm the nice, he's playing like the good cop to the imaginary bad cop of like, look, not the Gestapo is not like me. They, they he call, he refers to the, the Gestapo as like, uh, highly indoctrinated i forgot the exact word but he like uh, the indoctrination pt hits on which is like of course a buzzword that he's that is going to mean something to uh to bucky and scare him but he's like just give us you know we want to know how many ships are due you know how many of uh, the of the uh forts are are in are coming in the new shipment whatever we know they have to replace those damn things all the time because they keep falling and being blown out of the sky um, it's a little bit, it's a little bit nerve wracking for us and for Bucky, I think like the amount of information they seem to have. Yeah. It's wild, right? It's jarring. I mean, again, I talked a little bit about, um, like th th it was very pointed that all the guys on these forts were like not privates. They were all at least NCOs and like had some kind of commission. So they would be treated better if they were captured, but they had this like rote response, right? And the games that you're playing here, um, it it it's just so fascinating, especially then the, like the layering of like, uh, the, the prison that they end up bringing him to, this is very fascinating, actually, in retrospect. It's called uh, Stalag Luft 3. This is a very famous prison aerial. But it's specifically, it's a, it's a Luftwaffe. It's like the German Air Force prison for the other pilots that have been captured. And it's being overseen by the Luftwaffe. And so they're like, they're kind of being honest with them of like, dude, this is as good as you're going to get it. Like, we're going to treat you with some actual, like, equitable respect. Um, because they knew, like, commensurately, there were a ton of German pilots that had that were prisoners, right? There were lots of German prisoners at this point in the war yeah. because planes were being shot down over Britain, like, consistently. And France and Holland are all kind of all over the place, right? So they really wanted to, like, treat these guys as well as they could get away mm -hmm. with treating them. But there is that point of, like, dude, you've got intelligence and like the SS will get it from you you know mm -hmm. like we do, it, we do know a lot about you already and that should make it clear that like we're gonna find out what we need to find out so like mm -hmm. what's the call here the, the fact that it ends up being Louie is like wild it's just wild there it's know, right? crazy um yeah then the, like pull back to like the way that bucky handles it and he's so cavalier he's so kind of like devil may care it's this like quintessential bucky egan as we've come to know him but then he goes by himself and you see the fear in him of like oh christ like <laughs> now what's gonna come now yeah, what am I like that do? may have been my moment it played a little bit to the other side of like the quinn story of like, do you want to be a prisoner of war or are you trying to sneak out of here, right? And once you make that choice, the choice is made. 
and like the the moment has passed you know mm-hmm. it kind of like really lingered with me in that context i guess no for sure and i think there's a way in which we see it's working on a couple of different layers we see him experience and fully fear the pain of uh, the fear excuse me even if it's like in a more private moment and then i think also as the audience at least i'll speak for myself i was like no like this is selfishly this isn't the storyline that i want it's like almost like too depressing and that yeah. sounds so like i don't know like snowflakey of me of like no i don't want to see the horribleness of real war but like getting and like you know, we'll get to the end and like how it all came together for me. But like in this moment, I'm thinking, oh no, like what are they doing here? Like, I don't wanna, I'm not really super interested in going too dark here. <laughs> I need like a certain level of lightness in the in this story, but he gives he gives Jonas nothing. I'm sorry, that's not his name, but he No, we could call him Jonas though. He's officer Jonas. <laughs> I mean, that's who it was. It was Jonas. God, God bless Louis Hoffman. Yeah. I love seeing that guy. You mentioned it's so funny. You already mentioned all the light we cannot see. Now this like I love it. Just keep putting him in things. He'll have he'll have his Leo, Leonardo DiCaprio moment eventually. Um and then we build up to we don't I was really scared again of like what was going to happen to him. Are they going to start mm-hmm. torturing him? Are they going to yeah. get him over to the Gestapo? Like how far is this going to go? And then they bring him to this uh camp, some kind of like work camp and this is Stalag Luft 3. Clear uh, 3 part 3 we're in the era of sequels. Uh there's a way in like I love that we do at least get a card for, right? Of like where we are, the date, the thing of like okay, thank god they gave us they you know, they have given that to us in a few moments and I certainly appreciated it here. But you quick, he quickly gets a sense that there are other soldiers. And then the way I'm already starting to get emotional when he sees some of the other men who had been shot down, who recognize him and he recognizes them. And then like maybe five to 10 seconds pass before he asks about Buck. He's like, it's so good. Anyone dude. heard uh, from Buck Clevens and the way that it becomes clear that Buck, who is now standing over there, heard him ask about him before he reveals to Bucky that he is there. And he says uh, something like at your uh, two o'clock, two o'clock. Yeah, it's like basically on your left for on the left from uh, from Avengers Endgame. And my heart swelled. I got emotional. I was like, OK, fine. You got me. They the bait and switch totally, totally worked. I mean, I would argue they should have executed it better, but they fooled it you. Was all, <laughs> it was almost, almost all worth it because the emotional payoff here, the music is swelling. My heart is swelling. The smiles on Buck and Bucky's faces while they look at each other alive is swelling. Like, it's crazy that the emotional complication of Bucky being going from being horrified that he's being taken to this place to like, if I hadn't come to this specific camp, I would have never known that my best friend is still alive and how happy that makes him and how much that means to him. It's like, 
it's crazy what they pull off in these final few seconds. The final 20 seconds is really excellent as he like sees the guys and your whole point of like, they recognize him and he recognizes them. And I'm just going to be candid folks. I don't recognize any of them. With the curly hair. I was like, Oh, curly hair guy. Curly hair. Yeah. Hey, uh, that whole beat. It's like enough for me to like immediately be rooted. And then there is like just enough time before he says, what about Buck? And the guy's like, what? He couldn't hear him. It's just, yeah. they play it so good at your two o'clock and you turn. And I have to say, like, I, I've hyped up Austin Butler just as somebody that I was familiar with prying to come, prior to coming into this. And I was more concerned with his casting. I've talked about it because he was the kid from the Shannara Chronicles to be Ariel. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I don't know if I'm going to be able to take him seriously. <laughs> but I think he's got enough gravitas. He may be a little over the top of the delivery, but uh-huh. I like over the top in this kind of a project, especially. But I got to give it to Callum Turner here, man, because just this final beat, these closing shot, he does this thing with his face where you can see that 1940s man that wants to like sob. Yeah. That his friend is alive. He has been choking down and chewing on this uh, pit of grief in the yeah. back of his heart. You know that feeling. You know that like rock in your heart, that lump in your throat when mm-hmm. you feel that pain and you're just trying to like hold it together for whoever it is that you need to hold it together for. And for him, he's holding it together for like a whole country that has sent him off to fight this war. Right. He jumped on the plane the next day after Buck was gone. And to get this moment of like, after the terror of like, Oh my God, what's going to happen to me in this place to like, my friend is alive. And that's actually all that matters. doesn't even matter that we're both prisoners in Stalag Luft 3 now. Right. My friend is alive, you know? <laughs> it's really powerful. Yeah. Uh, just to, like, uh, pivot for a moment, I keep talking about Stalag Luft 3 because it's, like, pretty important in terms of mm-hmm. it being, like, a major aviation prison for the pilots, mainly RAF guys. They had a lot of other allied pilots here. There's Dutch guys. There's Norwegian guys. But it's mostly British, and they've started to really fill it up with Americans at this point late in 1943. It's important, Ariel, because it's the site of another great uh, piece of like film history Mm. about World War II, a little film that is called The Great Escape from 1963 uh, you may have seen this film featuring steve mcqueen and james yeah. garner i've never seen it but i've i've heard of it yeah. god a young charles bronson richard attenborough now that's very much a story about like british raf people like organizing an escape attempt so mm-hmm. no spoilers for like masters of the air but i know this and i think a lot of people do and that makes it really interesting yeah. uh, in terms of like a very notable historic location for the POWs during World War II in Germany. Yeah, and you just know... uh, Yeah, I don't care what happens, but, like, there's no way that they're going to spend four episodes in this camp. Like, please sign me up for literally anything else. I mean, we got three more episodes, and I think, to the, like, we could have done some things differently, timing this and that, like... These guys are now going to be in prison, Ariel. You know, like our our two hotshot pilots are like in prison, so they may get back in a plane. Who knows? But like, I have I don't know what to expect from the rest of this. But I know that some stuff goes down at Stalag Luft Three by the end of the war, and I am like fascinated to see where it goes from here, man. Yeah, no, it's it's really interesting the way they've like now laid out the. We basically have 
the you know the, there's a way in which like rosie is the replacement for like buck and bucky and like mm -hmm. seeing him come into his own while buck and bucky have like now have to face something that they have never faced before and have to rise to like a different occasion uh, potentially i think is super interesting and then you know put crosby in an episode literally doing anything and i'm happy so you know protect crosby at all costs as far as i'm concerned yeah, real. it's interesting to me you know just to like put these two guys i mean this is the story right we're tracking history they were reunited in the prison camp they didn't know if each other were alive uh, this whole like what the hell took you so long again straight from the words the mouths of babes Aaron. Mm -hmm. all the men who like saw this reunion happen through the wire say this is exactly what buck clevin said to his friend bucky even when he walked up to the gate so I, I'm really fascinated to like see where we go from here. There's been some reporting around the kind of final episodes. I know there was some discussion of the Tuskegee Airmen be, being featured. Kind oh, of yes. You see them in the opening there. credits. Yeah. So I'm really eager to like delve into that. But I just, I, you know, again, no spoilers, guys. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know the story of like Egan and Clevens in terms of like the end of the war. But like the great escape, if you appreciate World War II films, mm. if you're into the World War II history at all, the Great Escape is a true story. Uh, it's a 1963 movie. It's got your boy Richard Attenborough spared no expenses, like a young dashing fellow yeah. whom you will not recognize if you only know him from Jurassic Park. Uh, Garner Bronson, like Steve McQueen. It is the like commensurate Steve McQueen movie. It's worth it. Like for you as a film buff, Ariel, watch yeah. it someday no for sure it's one of those that like you know people throw around and i'm like oh yeah. i haven't yeah. seen it but yeah. i will get to it eventually with my luck they'll release it in a theater and that's how i'm gonna get to see it at some point um yeah so that's episode six part six as i always have to correct uh i'm super excited to get to the rest i hope they're great. I hope to see things that I want to see and not see things that I don't want to see because I'm a selfish person. Uh, but we'll all have to see together. We'll be back next week for part seven uh, as we inch closer to the end of the season. In the meantime, Rich, what else have you got going on? Uh, I'll say, you know, just to circle back, uh, the, the announcements are out in terms of PSR. You can go check the main feed for more word on what our plans are there. We got a couple of fun finale recap, closing farewell shows that are going to be coming out in March that I'm trying to rally together. But um, given the state of things, like I really appreciate it. Go hit me up on Twitter to keep up with everything I'm going to be doing going forward. The follows on Twitch at DM Philly, twitch.tv slash DM Philly, uh, and YouTube DM Philly, the same channel channel i would appreciate those um and i'm talking about halo season two with the great Corey b it's really been a very fun season of tv so far people were like kind of critical of season one season two coming in strong ariel so that's what i got going on love that master chief etc uh i'm covering let's see i'm covering six feet under oh god speak about these speaking about the end of things <laughs> six feet under with dr amanda uh, we'll probably finish, we will get to finish season two as far as our coverage. Um, also covering movies every week with Grace, uh, as long as the theater stays open. And I was on uh, full spoiler recaps this week with Grace and Jess covering one of my favorite topics, tennis, the Netflix tennis documentary series Breakpoint. We talked Ooh. about the newest season of that. That was 
a whole lot of fun for me personally, and I hope I wasn't too mansplaining with the rules. Grace like put me on the spot and wanted me to explain the rules of tennis to Jess. So go check that out and figure out for yourself. Decide how I did. Um, yeah, I'm also on Twitter at that other Ariel. And like I said, we'll be back next week with episode seven. We appreciate you listening now more than ever. See you then. Bye. Ah. Peace.